Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. Today, we're talking with Mark Estrin. He holds a doctorate in psychology and English from the University at Buffalo and a master's degree in journalism from Columbia University. Dr. Estrin is the author of six books, including Staten's Miraculous or Misguided, which we're discussing today. Welcome to the show, Mark. It's good to be here, Rebecca. Um, So what brought you to write a book about statin drugs? Well, think about the concept of your show. Uh, the whole idea is to be able to take control of your own medical well-being, your own health. And one of the things that I realize is that statins are among the most prescribed drugs in the United States and Canada, but there was no basic introduction to statins that was really intended for patients. There were lots of explanations, but there was so much jargon in the explanations that I thought somebody should do a simple, straightforward explanation about the science behind statins, the controversies behind the drugs, and put this all together accurately, but in easy to understand language. And the result is the book, Statins, Miraculous or Misguided. Well, and you know, your book is is easy to read. There isn't a lot of that jargon. And I think anybody who's wanting just to understand what they're doing will will find, um, you know, it easy to understand what's happening in their body with these drugs. Um, so I think you you did that really well. So statin drugs are, um, you, they're for cholesterol. And I guess we should start with talking about exactly what that is, because everybody knows, you know, high cholesterol is bad. But what does, why do we have cholesterol in the first place? You know, that, that's a perfect example. What you just said is correct. Everybody knows high cholesterol is bad, but doctors don't normally take the trouble to explain to people what cholesterol actually is. So if you go all the way back to the beginning, there are waxy solids naturally occurring in the body, and they're called sterols. They're a type of alcohol. That's why it ends in O-L, sterol alcohol. And then you add... C-H-O-L-E. This is from a Greek word, chole, which means bile. So chole sterol. It's bile sterol, cholesterol. That's where it comes from. Now, it's found in our blood, uh, in our nerves. Actually, it's in most body tissues. And one thing that is not always explained properly to people is that cholesterol is essential for cells to function properly. What it does is make sure that the substances that need to get into cells can get in, and ones that are not supposed to get in can't get in. So cholesterol is really essential for a wide variety of of body processes, uh, such as making vitamin D uh, and bile acids, which in turn process dietary fat. Okay. So, uh, I mean, obviously it's in our body for a reason, and it does seem very important because, you know, we all know the importance of vitamin D, and we all know the importance of, of good fats. 
Um, oh, so, and in fact, cholesterol is, is crucial. I mean, animal life would literally be impossible without cholesterol because our cells would not function properly. But one of the things to realize is how little cholesterol we need. If you weigh 70 kilos, about 155 pounds, you should have about 35 grams of cholesterol. That's about one and a quarter ounces of cholesterol in your body. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny amount that's necessary, but it's extremely important for cell function. Okay. So, um, we have different types of cholesterol as well. Can you just explain what those are? Well, let's, let's make our audience here learn more than most people who write about cholesterol know. In fact, there's only one kind of cholesterol. And people are always surprised to hear that because we keep hearing about different kinds. But that's not actually the way our body works. What matters to our bodies is that there are different ways that cholesterol gets carried to the specific tissues. And there are five different substances that carry the cholesterol to various parts of the body. They're called chylomicrons, which you'll almost never hear about, very low-density lipoprotein, intermediate-density lipoprotein, and then the two that we do hear about all the time, and those are the most important. That's high-density lipoprotein, which is HDL, and low-density lipoprotein, which is LDL. Now, that means if our listeners now know more about this than most people who ever write about the topic, because there's no such thing as good and bad cholesterol, even though that's what we normally talk about. The cholesterol is exactly the same. It's the carriers of the cholesterol that differ, and it's the balance of those carriers that can be good or bad for your health. Okay. So, um, you know, if we're talking about the balance of cholesterol, what does it mean to have high cholesterol then? Okay. Well, this starts to get to what everybody's concerned about and what we all are concerned about as patients. Um, Without getting into all the numbers and all the different ways doctors interpret them, if you have a blood test that shows your total cholesterol is 240 milligrams per deciliter or 6.2 micromoles per liter, the, the reading depends on the way the test is done. In either of those cases, you have high total cholesterol, which essentially means that you have more than the 35 grams per 70 kilos that your body needs. And then you have to discuss the balance between the carriers, HDL and LDL. Now, when you have high cholesterol and an imbalance in the carriers, you can develop fatty deposits in your blood vessels. Those are called plaque. And that's something, again, we hear about, but it's not always very well explained. If you have a lot of these plaques in your, uh, in your blood vessels, then we say you have atherosclerosis. That's what atherosclerosis means. And eventually, the deposits make it difficult for enough blood to flow through your arteries. You have been narrowed, 
so not enough can get through. This means that your heart may not get as much oxygen-rich blood as it needs. That increases the risk of a heart attack. If there's decreased blood flow to your brain, that can cause a stroke. So these are the reasons that we are so concerned about high cholesterol and the balance in particular between the carriers HDL and LDL. And there are a number of things that can be done to mitigate or prevent the problems associated with it, such as eating a diet that's good for you and regular exercise, but also medication such as statins can go a long way toward reducing high cholesterol and improving the balance of these particular carriers of the cholesterol. Well, um, you know, I think what a lot of people are afraid of is heart disease, and it's, you know, extremely common, obviously, and um, anytime I talk to anybody about it, they say they have a family history of it if it's not already affecting them. So I think it's something a lot of people are very afraid of. So this is a, a good topic for us to talk about today. I, I want to get well, into more about how the statins work, but we are going to take a quick break. So we'll do that when we come back. Today, we're talking with Mark Estrin about his book, Statins, Miraculous and Misguided. So we're going to be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. We are bombarded with information daily about happy life strategies, beauty products, and business success ideas. Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. Shelly will explore and recommend proven business ideas as well as show you how to use the law of attraction to create health, happiness, and a prosperous business. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Riss. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm here today with um, Mark Estrin, who is the author of the book, Statins, Miraculous or Misguided. So, Mark, before the break, um, we were talking about cholesterol and high cholesterol and what that means. And, of course, the um, one of the solutions for cholesterol is to be prescribed statins. Can you just explain to us what those are? Sure. Um, these, in the simplest possible terms, these are medicines that change the balance of LDL 
and HDL in a way that you want that balance to change. Now, this is where we talk about HDL as good cholesterol and LDL as bad cholesterol. Now, that's not true because the cholesterol is always the same, but I do have a way for people to remember, and it's a really silly way, but it helps people to remember what we're talking about here with HDL and LDL. So this sounds silly, but it's useful. The H in HDL makes you happy, and the L in LDL makes you feel lousy. Happy, lousy. Now, it's not really true because you can't feel cholesterol directly, but it's a good way to remember H for happy, which you want to be higher. Another H word. H, you want higher. L for lousy, which you want to be lower. So there's another L word. So if you can remember happy, higher, HDL, and lousy, lower, LDL, you've got the basics of what we're trying to do with statins. Now, what statins do is block a specific substance that your liver needs to make cholesterol. Because this is blocked, your liver removes cholesterol from your blood. Statins also help your body reabsorb cholesterol from those built-up deposits on your artery walls, the plaques that we talked about. And that's where they have the potential for reversing coronary artery disease. So the most important thing they do is pull LDL, that's the lousy one, out of circulation. They send the LDL to the liver, another L word. So the lousy cholesterol is lowered by being sent to the liver, which then reprocesses the cholesterol into bile salts and those you excrete. Your body gets rid of them. So the result of this is both your LDL and your total cholesterol go down when you take statins. Now, statins also raise HDL, that's the happy one, happy HDL, which gets higher to some extent. That's not their primary method of function, but they do do that. And the result is that your body's balance of HDL and LDL, the ratio of the two, is improved and all of this is better for your cardiovascular system and reduces your risk of heart attack or stroke. Okay, well, that's what most people want with it, <laughs> you know, is to, to reduce the risk. Um, now, when statins are prescribed, how is it decided who takes the drug? Oh, this is a good, okay, that's a good question. Usually what doctors try to do is to look for risk factors that people have relating to heart disease and try to get people to deal with those risk factors before they put them on any drug. You have to understand that statins are a lifetime commitment. Once you're put on statins, you will probably stay on them for the rest of your life. And before a doctor will do something like that, usually what he or she will do will be to check on other possibilities. So, for example... Um, smoking, this is yet another thing, in, if smoking is bad for you. It lowers HDL. HDL you want higher, smoking lowers it. 
It makes blood vessels more prone to those fatty deposits. You don't want that either. Um, waist size is a risk factor. Uh, men with a waist of 102 centimeters or more, which is about 40 inches, and women with waist size of 89 centimeters or more, which is about 35 inches, are known to have higher risk from cholesterol. Um, body mass index, it's an imperfect measurement. BMI is an imperfect measurement of obesity, but it's a reasonably useful one where cholesterol is concerned. People who have a BMI of 30 or higher have higher risk from cholesterol, higher risk of heart disease. Lack of exercise is a factor. Not because lack of exercise specifically does anything, but because exercise helps raise HDL, happy HDL higher from exercise, and LDL becomes less harmful when you exercise, lower LDL. So if any of these factors is, is present, doctors will look at them and will try to get people to change them. Uh, stop smoking, uh, lose weight, um, reduce obesity, increase exercise. Also, people with diabetes have extra risk because elevated blood sugar damages the lining of blood vessels, and that tends to raise LDL and lower HDL, which is the opposite of what you want. So these are the factors that will lead doctors to prescribe statins if the suggested lifestyle changes don't work. And usually, we've heard this a million times, and there are some issues with doing it, but you've heard this many times before, and I'm sure you've discussed it many times. Exercise regularly, eat a diet that's good for you, lose weight if you're overweight, don't smoke. These are standard health recommendations. They're not always easy to implement. And if they are not implemented or if they're implemented and are ineffective, that's the point at which doctors turn to medicines. And of those medicines, statins are the most commonly used. Okay, so there's some controversy around the statins, and I think this might be from some of the side effects, but can you just explain what that controversy is? Oh, absolutely. I, I wish everyone, from medical practitioners to patients, would pay more attention to the risk-benefit ratio. The risk-benefit ratio exists for every single treatment for everything. In fact, it even exists if you don't treat something. If you do nothing and wait to see what happens, you'll hear that called watchful waiting or active surveillance. But you know what? That's still a decision. You're still making a decision to do something. And there are risks and benefits for every treatment for every condition. So when people try to quantify the risks and benefits, it's done on an epidemiological basis which means looking at large numbers of people and uh, looking for generalized conclusions relating to big groups. That's fine statistically, but it tells you exactly nothing about any individual case. And what all of us care about as patients is our individual cases, which means our individual bodies. So, uh, controversy about the risks and benefits of stats. Statins are very effective. There is no doubt that they can reduce many people's risk of heart attack or stroke. 
but they do have side effects just the way all medicines do. There are four main areas of concern. Three are a little hard to pin down, and we'll go through those quickly, and then we can talk about the fourth, which is the big one. The three that are a little, little less significant, some people have developed memory loss or confusion when taking statins. Now, that stops when they stop taking statins, and cause and effect have not actually been proved. And to make it even more confusing, there's some evidence that statins help brain function in people with dementia. So no one's quite sure about what happens with statins and memory loss or confusion, but it's a relatively minor side effect that stops if the statins have to be stopped. Number two, statins sometimes increase insulin resistance and cause blood sugar to rise. This can lead to type 2 diabetes, which is a, a risk and a serious disease in itself. On the other hand, statins help prevent heart attacks in patients with diabetes. And diabetes is a major risk for heart attacks. So does a small increase in blood sugar caused by statins really matter as a significant risk? Nobody really knows, but it's something that you will talk to your doctor about if you discuss statins with your doctor. The third issue has to do with liver inflammation. And this is why doctors will often order liver enzyme tests either before starting someone on a statin or shortly afterwards. And that's to watch for the possibility of some effects on liver, liver enzymes. Usually those problems also disappear if you simply switch to a different statin because there are multiple statins and they work in different ways. Those are the three relatively easy issues to deal with. It's the fourth one, which is the most common complaint and which bothers people the most, and that is muscle pain. Now, muscle pain can range from mild discomfort to pain severe enough to interfere with everyday life, and it can be severe enough so some people want to discontinue statins. That's an issue with statins. And very rarely, people can develop a life-threatening form of muscle damage called rhabdomyolysis, rhabdomyolysis. And this is something you don't want. You don't ever want rhabdomyolysis because it can, in fact, be life-threatening. However, it only occurs when people take very high statin doses or take statins plus a number of other drugs, they're well aware of it, they're well aware of what to watch for, and it is also very rare. But it's the single most significant side effect that is known from statins. Well, it's interesting when, when you're explaining all of this, and I know, I mean, heart disease is, is scary, but I know if people experience memory loss, they get um, pretty scared about that. Um, and the, the link with, with diabetes is interesting because a lot of people um, with diabetes also have high cholesterol, and so they're on the medication. So it's, a, it's an interesting combination and there. Statins, yeah. statins are beneficial to people with diabetes and are known. Diabetes is a very significant risk for heart attack. If you have diabetes, you're at higher risk of heart attack. Statins mm -hmm. are good 
if you have diabetes, and they are known to be effective in lowering the risk of heart attack. The real problem comes with people who have a condition that's called pre-diabetes, in which doctors are seeing certain of the factors associated with full-scale diabetes emerging, but diabetes is not yet diagnosable. And that's the situation in which there is some evidence that statins may lead the diabetes to emerge. But one of the problems is that there's so much research that's done on this, and a lot of the times the research gives contradictory conclusions. So each individual person and each individual doctor has to watch things very carefully, and you can't simply rely on epidemiological studies because they are broad scale, and you need to deal with each individual case and each individual person. Well, and I think that's that's part of it as well is, um, you know, sometimes statins have side effects and people don't tolerate them and sometimes they're beneficial and help the person a lot. Right. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, side effects are something, it's your responsibility as a patient to know about side effects more than your doctors. Your doctor has to know what they are, but you know your body better than anyone else does. So you know what is normal for you and what is not normal for you. So if you go on statins, and this also applies to any other medicine, pay attention to your body's signals. There's a lot of overlap in the symptoms of side effects with the symptoms of other conditions. Like we talked about the liver damage that that is a, a potential issue with some statins. The symptoms of liver liver damage can include fatigue, weakness, appetite loss, upper abdominal pain, dark-colored urine, yellowing of your skin, and yellowing of the whites of your eyes. Well, aside from those last couple, lots of other things can cause those symptoms, such as fatigue and appetite loss. You know yourself best. If you feel fatigue that seems worse than usual and you've had no major changes in your activities that might cause the fatigue, like being up an unusual number of hours for an unusual number of days in a row, for example, if you're not, and when it comes to appetite loss, if it's not that you're merely not hungry, you just can't seem to eat anything at all, or abdominal pain, if you have Uh, something more than a stitch in your side and you haven't been out running marathons. And especially if you have multiple symptoms at the same time, that's the time to call your doctor because your body is telling you something. Okay. Um, Well, and I guess that's important anyway when those things come up, whether they're from the drug or not, to find out what is going on and to talk to your doctor. Absolutely. I mean, what... Yeah. Well, one of one of the wonderful one of the wonderful things about all of us having access to, to so much information online and everything today is we can find out for ourselves what all these symptoms mean and what all the side effects are, and we can also scare ourselves silly by reading all the possibilities. So the key here is not to overreact. You need to know what might happen, but if you think it might be happening to you, you have to let your doctor know. So you said that um, most people, once they take statins, that's a a lifetime um, drug for them once they're on it? Yes. Okay. And are there any ways that people can either try to avoid getting on the drug or once they are on it, perhaps get off of it if 
if they're have like if they're having symptoms, obviously they have to find other ways to reduce their cholesterol. And you mentioned some of them, but maybe you can talk about them a little bit more. Well, let's we are, let's already let's go back to the two primary ways that people try to reduce cholesterol without using statin drugs. Aside from something like stopping smoking, which everybody agrees everybody should do, and and that's not it's not even need to be discussed really. The two primary ones involve increased exercise and dietary changes. Now, this means that your doctor will tell you if you're sedentary, you have to get out and you have to move around more. If you uh, don't do any exercise, you have to do, depending on what your doctor says, uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, of various types of exercise, seven days a week, maybe it's five days a week. A lot of it depends on you and your own condition and your doctor's attitude toward toward this. Dietary changes, most of this, once again, is well known. Uh, eat, eat less processed food. Eat um, less red meat. Um, reduce anything that is known to be not as good for your body in large quantities and substitute fruits and vegetables and, and fish and things of that type instead. All of that is the basic way that doctors will tell you, and they'll modify it for each patient. That's what doctors will tell you to, to do before starting on statins. And if you do that while you're on statins, it will benefit you as well. Even if they put you on statins and you still make these lifestyle changes, uh, that will be good for you even though you're already on statins. It's like a double benefit. However, I want to point out something that's like kind of an, it's like the elephant in the room about lifestyle changes. In terms of psychology, and this is my field, psychosomatically, that's the way the mind and the body interact. Psyche is the mind, soma is the body. Psychosomatically, one of the most devastating things you can do to your body is to keep it under stress. Now, so many of us are under nearly constant stress from our everyday lives, day in and day out, and Stress is a major factor in illness, both psychologically and physiologically. Increased levels of the stress hormones, such as cortisol, are known to cause all sorts of illnesses. In fact, I wrote a book about this called Healing Hormones, which is about the positive and negative effects of endogenous hormones. That means hormones our bodies produce themselves. They come from within. Now, stress, as healing hormones explains, causes the release of a constant stream of hormones associated with the fight or flight response. And that flood of hormones harms our health in many ways and specifically hurts our cardiovascular system. And the reason this matters is that doctors and other well-meaning health professionals tend to be very glib in saying things such as, you can reduce your cholesterol by exercising more and changing the way you eat. Well, yes, you can. But how big must those changes be from what you are currently doing? When will you find the time to make the changes? How much stress will the attempt to change put on other parts of your life, your work, your family, your everyday activities? 
nobody so, Mark, can... We're going to take a quick break, and I want to talk about that when we get back, more on, on the stress and how to make those changes. Um, today, we're talking with Mark Estrand, who is the author of Statins, Miraculous or Misguided. We'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, I'm John Rainey, Chief Financial Officer of United Airlines, and I'm honored to be the National Chair for the 2015 March for Babies campaign for the March of Dimes. United is a proud supporter of the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Please join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit marchofdimes.org. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Rebecca Risk, and I'm here today with Mark Estrin, who is the author of the book Statins, Miraculous or Misguided. So, Mark, before the break, we were talking about um, ways people can um, reduce their cholesterol. And, of course, you know, I think everybody knows diet is one of them. But you were talking about stress, and this is something um, I, I don't think everybody thinks of especially in, in relationship to cholesterol. We think about it in heart health, um, but not in terms of cholesterol. So if you want to just explain maybe some techniques or some other things people can do to do that, that might be helpful. Well, the thing to understand when it comes to stress and when it, is that doing things that are positive for your health can cause you stress. Nobody can wave a magic wand and suddenly be eating better and exercising longer and more effectively and so on. So you do have to think about how much stress will be created by the process of getting from where you are now to where your doctor recommends you end up. And you are exactly right, Rebecca. Stress is a huge factor in cardiovascular wellness and People should not ignore the stress associated with making lifestyle changes that we know are good for us, but the stress needs to be part of something that we talked about earlier, which is the risk-benefit balance. If you're trying to bring down cholesterol and improve the ratio of HDL to LDL, heightened stress is a risk that should be considered 
in that balance. Now, I have to say that a statin may be better if the lifestyle changes will raise your stress so much that that negates the benefits of the changes. So this really is a significant issue. Now, you can learn different ways of lowering your stress. There are many, many, uh, both formal instruction and informal in ways of breathing, ways of focusing your attention, types of meditation, anything that can move you outside the, the field that is called the field of activity that is causing you the stress can be a way of reducing it. And yes, you can certainly learn that, and if you can do that, and you can combine that with the recommended lifestyle changes as to diet and exercise, for example, um, then this may be the, the best way you can go. If you can, in fact, lose weight, eat better, exercise better, and if you can control the stress associated making with those changes by something like meditative exercising and deep breathing, and it can be formal or informal, you can do it on your own. You can do it in a group. You can practice yoga. There are many things that people do. So that's usually the best way to go before you go on a lifetime medication such as statins. And there are other medications that will also help control cholesterol. Statins aren't the only one, but they are particularly well-known and particularly effective. Okay. So I know in your book you talk about some um, other options. There's some um, vitamins and supplements that can help people um, to lower cholesterol. Uh, can you talk about what some of those are? Well, there, there are a couple of them out there, and these are things that uh, people will sometimes think, well, these would be better because they're not, made, they're not made by pharmaceutical companies, and therefore they must be better for me than naturally occurring. And that's not strictly true, and in fact, statins themselves, some statins are naturally occurring, and some statins are manufactured, even though they're all sold as pills. But one of the best-known ones is niacin. Niacin is vitamin D3. That's what it is. It's a vitamin, and it's crucial for health. Uh, if you don't get vitamin B3, you come down with a really horrible disease called pellagra, and there's a you don't need much vitamin B3. You need 14 to 16 milligrams a day uh, from diet, and it's considered safe up to about 35 milligrams a day. And it's very good at lowering lousy LDL and hiking happy HDL. See, this L and H thing really works. The problem with niacin is that it does work very well, but it has to be given at much higher doses than 35 milligrams a day. A therapeutic dose large enough to affect um, LDL and HDL is between one and a half grams and up to six grams a day. That is a huge amount of niacin and not something you should ever, ever, ever try to take on your own. Well, um, are there any side effects of taking niacin? Uh, well, that's the problem. Uh, it, it changes the body. Um, it, some of these things you almost can't call side effects. You have to call them primary effects. Uh, there is one primary effect 
of niacin that you definitely don't want, and that is skin flushing. Uh, niacin in sufficient quantities will cause 15 to 30 minutes of a body-wide prickly itching sensation and a general feeling of wanting to crawl out of your skin, and it's awful. And it's only that's that's the worst effect. Now there are others. There's dry skin. There's rashes. Uh, it makes eczema worse. It can cause headache and indigestion and nausea and uh, cardiac arrhythmia, which is an irregular heartbeat, is sometimes caused by niacin. There are ways to minimize the side effects. Uh, there's an extended release niacin, for example, which um, tends to minimize the effects. And sometimes you can add other medicines to the niacin, and that will help balance it. But all you're doing then is you're complicating your whole medication regimen, and you may not you may have a lower level of compliance. You may not actually take everything you should. So it gets overly complicated. I will tell you, though, that niacin sometimes, although it's not a good solution on its own generally, sometimes it is used with statins. Because if a patient is taking a statin to lower LDL, a doctor will sometimes add the niacin because niacin is better at helping hike HDL. We're back with the H's here. Um, so sometimes a doctor will, will use a, a niacin in addition to statins, but it's a delicate balancing act, and you really have to work on it carefully, and it's got to be very closely monitored. Okay. Um well, the, I've never had the skin flushing. It sounds like you have if you know you want to crawl out of your skin. <laughs> but, um, you know, I know that's one of the complaints of, of using niacin. Is it's hard to um, to follow through with something that makes you so uncomfortable every time you take it. Right. Yeah. And, and I know another popular uh, supplement for cholesterol is red yeast rice extract. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that was worth mentioning as well. It's also a statin alternative, and holistic health practitioners are big advocates of red yeast rice, uh, rice extract. Um, it's a bit of a tongue twister, red yeast rice extract. Uh, but it's got its own issues. Red yeast rice is a fermented rice product on which a specific yeast has been grown, and it's a common food in China and Japan. Uh, it can also be used as a preservative for fish and meat. It's used that way in Canada and the United States fairly commonly uh, in, the, in Oriental communities. Um, the extract contains a substance that reduces cholesterol synthesis, and that substance is called monocolin K. Now, you don't need to know that name, but you might want to know what the other name of that same substance is. The other name is lovastatin. That is, in fact, a statin. It is a naturally occurring statin, and it is used in a well-known statin with the brand name Mevacor. Mevacor contains the same substance that occurs naturally in red yeast rice extract. So naturopaths, uh, holistic practitioners may suggest that people with elevated cholesterol use the extract instead of a manufactured drug. But the problem is the amount of lovastatin varies a lot by product and can't always be determined 
by patients who want to buy the product on their own. And in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration has actually warned consumers against buying red yeast rice products online because they may contain enough lovastatin to cause serious side effects such as muscle problems, which are the same problems caused by some statins in some people in general. So this is only to be used under careful supervision, which again is generally by a naturopathic physician who prescribes specific amounts in a carefully measured and monitored form. Okay, well, it sounds like if somebody's in the situation with high cholesterol, whatever route they choose, they need to have some guidance so that they choose the right diet, get the right exercise, and choose the right supplements or medication for them and have those monitored because nothing is without side effects depending on who you are. That's absolutely right. Everything has side effects or has the potential for side effects, and monitoring is absolutely critical. Okay. So um, now before we close the show today, is there any last advice that you have for anybody who could be in the situation of having to choose between, you know, anything or just in this high cholesterol situation of where they should start? Well, I would always start with my doctor and would specifically ask, what are my risk factors for cardiovascular disease? And once I understand those, what can I do about it? And I would very explicitly say, if I don't want to take any pills, what can I do? And then if I'm willing to take pills, what are my options? And those would be good starting points for a discussion about what to do and how to improve your health. Okay. Um, now, if anybody has any further questions from you, um, is there a way they can get a hold of you? Well, uh, my website is markjestrin.com. That's M-A-R-K-J-E-S-T-R-E-N.com. And I'm reachable through that. And uh, if I can provide some useful information, I'm always happy to. Okay. Well, that's great. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This was a very informative show. Um, so we're um, next week we're going to be talking about um, a book called Low FODMAPs and Vegan. So anybody who has chosen a, a vegan diet or having any problems, this book could be um, some help with you, especially if you have IBS. And we're talking today with Mark Estrin, who is the um, author of the book Statins, Miraculous or Misguided. Thank you so much for joining me today and make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 